listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. We jumped into this little series, or two weeks ago we jumped into it. Last week, we talked about the peace that will come in the return of Jesus. We live in a violent world where things are constantly uh, in chaos. We saw even over the Thanksgiving break in, in London where that knifed terrorist just stabbing random folks, most of them under the age of 18. We live in, a, and you say, why? We live in this violent, broken world. But But last week we capitalized on the promise that Christ brings peace in his return. But also Christ provides peace in the meantime, while we wait. We can can have peace while we wait on full peace. And so the answer that God has to violence in our world is peace is coming. It has been provided, it has been bought and paid for by Jesus Christ in his first coming. And then in his second coming, he will bring sweeping and lasting peace. Today we want to think about the counterpart to when we were looking in our study, let's talk about it. We discussed the notion and the conversation of politics in our world. And how that we as Christians can come to the table representing Jesus Christ in a very political climate in which we live in. And we came to some conclusions that we'll review as we study today. But we recognize that while we as Americans wait on the Lord, there is a political system with political answers but they're only temporary answers. And in fact, as soon as these answers are put into place, even as they're pinned into law, it's discovered that these well intentions don't meet all of the longings that we have as citizens. And as we look through the lens of longing, hope, preparation, and love, we long for as citizens of a government We long for a community of safety and security. We long for that. We long for the the Hallmark movie reality. I I heard a a, a podcast just this last week about why people do and don't like Hallmark. If you like the Hallmark movies, raise your hand. Let me see where you're at. And if I were, okay, put your hands down. If you, thanks, Susie came running in to be counted in on that. On that, let's count my vote. And Andy says, it's true, she loves them. Now, if you don't like, it's okay. It's okay. If you're someone who just says, you know what? I just don't like the Hallmark sappy movies that are played. Raise your hand. Just let's just, hey, own it. Own it if you say, I don't like it. Okay, put your hands down. There are reasons why you like them if you like them. There are reasons why you don't like them if you don't. But I would be willing to bet that if you like the Hallmark movies, it's because the the stories and the way they just come together together 
And the way it all just comes to a happy ending where everything has been addressed and all things are in order and you love to watch them because deep down you just say, man, I wish I could live in a Hallmark movie where that would be a reality. If you don't like the Hallmark movies, it's probably because you watch them And your experience has been so drastically different from that. And you look at that and you say, I don't understand why they all have to move to Alaska to find their their favorite love. And I don't know, but I'm never going to go. And you know what? That's not been my experience. It doesn't end like that. In fact, I'm living in a reality that hasn't been anything like that. Turn that garbage off because it's not real fair likers and dislikers i mean there's at least some of that i'm going to argue that we like them and dislike them because we have the same longing we have that same wish that we could just be in a community where everybody's secure everybody's safe Nobody's stabbing anyone and nobody's having to be, no no 90-year-old woman is having to be frisked at the airport. I just wish we could just be, and we're longing. We long for a society where honest, honesty, trust, and order are the norm. I dare say most of us go out of the door every morning not really expecting that we're going to face a society marked by honesty. We're going to face a reality that we can just simply trust or that we will find order everything as it should be. Most of us go out the door grumbling mainly because we know that's not what we're going to find, but that's what we long for. We long for leaders who value and champion true righteousness. Oh, we're hearing all kinds of ads and promises and, and all kinds of things about leaders who are trying to, 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 to gather your vote and mine that are talking about how true and honest and how, how they value righteousness. And we have seen too many of them in an oval-shaped office and other offices around our capital, state, and local arenas to know there just isn't one who truly values and champions righteousness. We long for that. There are many in our world who are longing for a government who will at least value and love its own people. Because there are so many living in our world today that are simply commodities for governments to profit from, where the people aren't valued, they aren't loved, and in many cases are treated in overwhelmingly inhumane ways. Now, there are many in our world who long for a government that is not overwhelmed and consumed by corruption. We long in, in our political arena, in the, in the world in which governments rise and fall and do what they do and govern the way they govern, we just long for a security that comes with righteous leaders. And in our context, we battle it out in the political arena. 
because I don't want yours. I want mine because yours isn't going to be and mine's going to be. And then we're all disappointed when none of them are able to be. But you know, we don't long as, as, as those who grieve the loss of loved ones don't grieve without hope. Our longing, Christian, our longing follower of Jesus, our longing is not without hope. When we can look and we can say, you know what? The world is never going to be like a Hallmark movie. As Christians, we know it'll be better than any Hallmark movie could ever be. And those of us who dislike what's not reality, if we know Jesus is Savior and we trust God's word, we can say it'll be even better. When Christ returns, we have a hope in the security that is coming with King Jesus. Think about what Genesis chapter 12 and verse number three says. God is making some promises to Abraham. God is called, well, his name was, was Abram when he called him. He called him out of a, of a far country and he said, I want you to follow me and I'll show you where I want you to dwell and, and I'm gonna do some things in your life. And, and, and then he changes his name to Abraham and he says, I'm gonna do some things for you. And one of those things is, is that in you, the last part of this verse, verse says, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, do you notice that doesn't say all of the families that you father? It doesn't say all of those who come from your lineage will be all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God is making a promise that's going to extend into the, into the future, and it's going to involve Everyone. Think of the farthest nation from here you can imagine. Think of, think of when, we, when we say to the ends of the earth, where does your mind go? Like the farthest you can go from normal civilization as you define it. And they're counted in all the families of the earth. Because God says, I'm going to bring a reality that's going to involve everyone. We move forward in the biblical record and we find a promise that God made to another gentleman by the name of David. In 2 Samuel chapter number 7, verse number 6, God tells David, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. David was king. David was established by God as king of Israel because of his character. A man after God's own heart. And he set him aside and he said, Now David... The promise that I made to Abraham about hit, hit, about someone coming through him that's going to bless all the families of the earth is going to have an impact in your life. And it's going to be a person who's going to be established on your throne. It's going to be a, a particular person who's going to bring blessing to all of the families. And he says, in your throne, David, through this one, your throne shall be established. How long? Forever. I'm making a promise, Abraham. Something's coming. It's in the future, and it's going to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. All the families of the earth right now are not experiencing blessing, but it's coming. And David, I want you to understand that that blessing that is coming is going to be funneled through a one that will sit on your throne, and his kingdom will extend forever. He won't die and be placed in the grave with his fathers and hand his kingdom off to another descendant. No, he will be a king and his kingdom will extend 
forever. Isaiah makes a promise. We read this last week, and we focused on a different part of this verse. But we'll look at Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 again. And Isaiah said, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. The government of Israel, yes, but it doesn't end there. The idea is that government that God established for order and righteousness and justice to be handed or provided for citizens will be placed on him. And so now finally, government as God intended will be exercised correctly under this son who is born, under this child who is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting father and last week we saw prince of peace verse 7 of the increase of his government and of peace there shall be no end on the throne of david and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with what justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore you see we long for a a community that is marked by safety, security, order, righteousness, where the endings are happy and, 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 the, and the, 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 the community is, is together and everyone is functioning as they should and, and, and the lines aren't blurred and, and I'm not in your lane and you're not in mine. We're just living in harmony. We long for that. And God says, I've got that coming. I'm bringing that Abraham through you. I'm bringing that David through you. And on his shoulders will rest this notion of righteous leadership where we can all look and have complete confidence in his honesty, his integrity, and his ability to rule the peoples correctly. We think about Luke chapters 1 and 2, where a a statement was made to Mary identifying who this one is. And and the angel said, Mary, you're going to have a son and you're going to name him Jesus. And then verse number 32 of chapter 1, and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. You say, wait a minute, I thought God was his father. Well, earthly wise, if you track Jesus' lineage, both through Mary and through Joseph, you'll discover that they both are descendants of David through two different sons of his. And as a descendant of David, God is going to give Jesus, the one that was born, to Mary, the throne of his father. And he will reign, verse 33, over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. That was the message to Mary. But then we see in chapter number two, very familiar passage, especially at this time of year, a message was given to a group of shepherds. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy That will be for who, class? All the people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. God said to Abraham, Abraham, through you I'm bringing blessings to all the families of the world. And David, David, that blessing that I promised through Abraham is going to come through you. And a descendant of yours is going, to, is going to sit on your throne and that kingdom will be established forever. And Isaiah says, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will rule in righteousness and with justice forevermore. And then the angel says, and Mary, listen, his name's going to be Jesus And he's going to be the one that's going to be the promise, the the descendant of David to sit on the throne. And shepherds, he's coming through the life of a Savior. We celebrate his life as our Savior. We celebrate his life apart from sin, but connected to us in humanity in every other way. Only sin differentiates us and the Savior who came and was born like you and like me. He lived as human as you and I are in every respect, never ceasing to be God, but never being more than humanity. How does that work? I don't know. But he relates to us completely and became that pure and spotless sacrifice as the Savior paying for your sin for my sin, paying for your iniquity and my iniquity, taking on all that is broken in you and me and laying his life down as a a complete and satisfactory sacrifice for you and for me in his death, providing payment for our sin and our brokenness, but in his resurrection, demonstrating that that sacrifice was enough it was received he's defeated death he's defeated sin he's defeated hell he's defeated the grave that brings us such grief that king who was going to rule in the way we long for his name is jesus he has paid for salvation he has come as the savior and he's returning to bring about that kingdom that we long for I love what Revelation chapter number 19, the picture that it paints for us. Revelation 19, 11 through 16 talks about his return. And I love the way it hits my eardrums. If you know Jesus as Savior, if you long and hope for his soon return and the security that he brings with him, you'll love this too. John says, then I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems, many identifiers as king. He came the first time as a peasant without a place to lay his head, without a home to call his own. But when he comes back, he's coming back identified without mistake to all who will see as king, as Lord, as ruler, faithful and true and he has a name written that no one knows but himself 
He is clothed in a robe dripped in blood, his blood, the one, the, the blood that he shed for you and for me. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. John says the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we held him and we touched him and we saw him and we were affected by him. And when he comes back, his name will be known as the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen white and pure were following him on white horses. I just got to tell you where I fall on that theologically. I absolutely believe that those are the saints that have been resurrected and are now returning with him victorious and glorious. And you know folks that are going to be there and you and I very well might be counted among that number as those that have died and been risen. But if not, then we will be caught up and we'll be coming back with that that crowd when Jesus returns from his mouth verse 15 comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations he's striking down those that are opposed to him and have rejected him and now have nothing to do with him and he will rule them with a rod of iron no one will wonder who's in control no one will think that there's any way to rise up against this one because his rule will be sure he will tread the wine presses of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Now, yeah, he's worth that, absolutely. He came in humanity and lived as you and I. And he paid sin's price for you and I. And then God raised him and brought him back where he waits. And he waits. And he waits. What is he waiting for? He's waiting for God's purposes to be complete. His purposes to be complete involving you and I. Which brings us to that place of preparation. You say, wait, 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 you, you, you stopped. He was supposed to return. I know. I just read it. But that's not happened yet. We still long and we still hope because what we read, we believe and we trust and we know. Jesus promised he's going to come back. Jesus said he's going to prepare a place and come back and receive us. And, and then Jesus, through his own mouth, has told John what it's going to look like when he comes back. Well, what about now? We prepare. Because Jesus is waiting for God's purposes to be complete. And when the father's purposes and plans are complete, he'll say to his son, now go back and the horse will be ready and the saints will be gone and we'll come and he'll return and bring about all that we long for. But we're here now. So what do we do? We prepare. I know there are preppers in our world who are preparing for all kinds of disasters. You know, that might be a wise thing. I mean, hoarding up food and ammunition and all that for all kinds of worldly things, that, that might be smart, except when you got the big storehouse full of 
ammunition and food, guess where all the folks that are stronger and meaner than you are are coming? They're coming to your place to get your ammunition and your food. So I'm just saying, folks prep for a lot of things, and it might not be worth all the time and energy. But this preparation is worth it. You see, while we wait for the return of Jesus, when we wait for the longing of this better than hallmark reality that's coming with a king who's worthy to bring it to pass, we prepare. How do we prepare? Well, one thing we do is we look back to the study that we had on politics. We prepare through Christ-honoring citizenship in this nation and in any other nation in which we live. We represent Jesus in the way we go about our business as citizens. We prepare for that that is to come by submitting to that that is and being a Christ-honoring citizen under the governments in which he is still sovereign over. We submit and we honor Christ as we live in the governments that are. We, sub- we, we, we prepare through God-fearing allegiance to Jesus as we submit, as we walk in humility under the systems that God is sovereign over that aren't perfect and certainly aren't the answer. We have a God-fearing allegiance to Jesus over and above any other candidate, any other official, any other allegiances, any other forms of things that I will pledge or stand at attention to, Jesus trumps them all. And that was not a pun that I intended, but nevertheless, it kind of is. We recognize that we have a responsibility to honor Christ in the way that we live our life. And we recognize that our allegiance is first and foremost to the king. And y'all recognize he's not waiting to be king when he returns. He's just waiting to show us his kingliness. He's already king. He's never stopped being Lord. God has always been sovereign and we operate under his gracious and merciful will anyway. So we just go ahead and pledge our allegiance to our savior to our king who is by his father's side waiting to return. We prepare. And we prepare through fearless proclamation of the gospel. Let's back up to where we started. Abraham, I'm going to bring about blessings to all the families of the earth. David, I'm bringing about a ruler who's going to rule and his kingdom's going to be forever. Isaiah, his government and his righteousness and his judgment is going to extend. And Mary, he's going to be a savior. He's going to be king. He's going to have the father's throne. So he's coming back and everybody's going to be blessed. Everybody who knows him. You see, to experience the blessing that comes And the kingdom that God is bringing about requires faith. Not just faith. I'm a man of faith. I'm a spiritual person. I just walk in my spirit. No, faith in Jesus who is king. I think about Nicodemus who came to Jesus at night. He was a religious leader. He was a ruler in the Jewish community. He he, he He was like a church man. 
And this guy came to Jesus and he had sneaked to him at night because if he came in the daytime, then all of his cronies in, in the, in the Pharisaical Sanhedrin realm, they would have all been like, what were you doing talking to him? What were you talking to him? So he had to sneak at night in order to have an audience with Jesus. And he sat down with Jesus and he said, all right, Jesus, you got to tell me, how do you enter the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, I'm paraphrasing. That's simple. You must be born again. You must be. It's, it's not that you're related to Abraham. It's not that you come from the people of David. It's that you are born anew. How, how, how does one become born anew? Do I? How, how am I going to be born because I'm way bigger than my mama now? How is that possible, Jesus? Am I the inner? That's crazy. Jesus goes, it's not crazy at all. Because I'm talking about a spiritual birth. Everybody's been born physically. But not everybody has been born spiritually. You see, those who have not by faith trusted Jesus, Paul says, are still dead in their trespasses and sins. They're walking, but they're like zombies because there's no true life there. They are walking dead. But when by faith we trust in the gospel, what is the gospel? That God loved the world in which you and I are a part of, that he gave his only son, who is, who is Jesus, God the son, eternal, always existing with the father. He gave his son to be born like you and I. And, and, and the gospel says that Jesus grew up sinless and then died as a perfect lamb, a perfect sacrifice to pay for my sin that I couldn't fix, that I couldn't try to, to solve. It was not a problem that I could address. It was a brokenness in me that was unfixable except God made a way through Jesus, his death and resurrection. Well, how, how do I get that? By grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift that God gives you. It's free to you. It cost him everything, but it's free to you and to me. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's this gift of God. And when we by faith, when we embrace, not, not in the mind knowing, well, I, I know Jesus was born and I know at Easter we celebrate his resurrection. I know all those things and I can write all the answers on the test. It's not about that. It's about embracing Jesus for you. When you say, God, I know I'm a sinner and I know Jesus died for me and I want him. I want him to be mine and I want to be his. So many fall so short of trusting Jesus because they want what Jesus has to offer. They just don't want him because when they get him, they know he gets them. And folks are like, I don't want him to have me. And we've got so many who are claiming Christ who want what he has to offer, but don't want him to have them. And that's what embracing Jesus is like. I want you and I want you to have me. I'm yours. That's being born again. That saving faith that brings me from darkness into light, from death to life, from a child of this world to a child of God. We prepare by proclaiming 
the gospel fearlessly. Why? Because if anybody's going to experience that peace that we long with confident hope in, then they're going to have to be a part of the family of God by faith in Jesus, which is exactly what Jesus left us here to do, to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Why? Because those are the ones who are going to enter the kingdom. Those are the ones who are going to experience the better than Hallmark ever imagined, but only by faith in Jesus. You know, as I was thinking about this tumultuous political realm we live in, I thought about there being uh, provided on university campuses after elections and after certain, you've heard where now they're, they're providing safe spaces for when things don't work out for you politically, I, I don't know what it is. I guess that now, uh, you know, 18 to 24-year-olds now, when things happen in the world now politically, they lose it in a way that none of the rest of y'all lost it back when y'all were doing it. So things happen in this world, and, and you got a draft notice in the mailbox, but you didn't have a safe place to go to except on that bus with all your other brothers going to wherever they were going to train. But now there's this thing where, where you got a safe place. So if you've lost your mind conveniently the night before exams because of what happened politically, well, we won't provide you a safe place to work at. Now, you say, Pastor Kevin, you kind of sound like, you, you, you sound like you're dogging on that. Don't take that the wrong way. I'm just saying it how I think it. <laughs> Let that process for a second. Okay. What if we, in our preparation, decided to be a safe place? What if we just determined that our life was going to be a safe place for those who are longing and those who are wanting with no hope other than in what they've got they're looking around at and they're trying to fix this and make it the hallmark reality but are consistently failing to do so because they can't. They're losing their mind. What if we became a safe place? A place that, that allowed folks to be where they're at And yet the comfort that we provided not only was the physical, but also was the message. I hear you. Your guy didn't get, your gal didn't, I understand. I get it. Well, why aren't you just, you're okay because yours got it. No, he's not mine. I mean, she's not mine. That just, that's who it's, that's who it is. I see I'm okay because I'm not, I'm not a follower of them. I got a king who's got power. And, and not only do I have a king that's got power, he's got a king. I got a king that's promised that same power to me in the person of the spirit that he's given me free of charge as a gift to help me navigate all of this turmoil. I can just walk in him. Why? How can you do that? Because I got a king with power and I got a king who shares his power to all of his followers. And not only that, I got a king who loves me 
I got a, I got a president, I got a congressman, I got a congresswoman, I got, I got all kinds of folks in leadership that might not even know me. But I got a king who loves me. And guess what? You got a king who loves you too. Well, how, how do you know I have a king who loves you? Well, because he demonstrated his love for you in this. While you were still a sinner, he died for you. That's how you know you got a king who's got power. That's how you know you got a king who loves you. That's how you know you got a king who's coming. How do I know I got a king who's coming back? Because foretold his coming and he came and then he said he's coming back. And then as he went up, there were some others that said he's coming back. I've just got to figure he's not missed the promise yet. Why would I doubt his return? You say, well, well, what's that going to be like? Well, I'll show you these, what it's going to be like. What if we decided as we prepare for what is to come, what if we were to represent little, little hallmark lives right here? Like, what if, what if you were a walk? Not, listen, those of you who don't like the Hallmark movies, I get it. Work with me a minute. Just work with me. The Hallmark movies aren't reality out here. But, but didn't Jesus, isn't, isn't that what he was saying is, I, I'm not going to change this out here. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to change you in here. Now, what would it look like if we became little walking, talking, safe places? Looking like those happy, sappy, little walking Hallmark movies with a message of reality. And that is the message of the one who loves us, who died for us, and who's coming back to bring something better than Hallmark. And in that arena, we can boldly communicate the gospel. You say, well, what if they reject? Not on you. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting him. That doesn't mean you stop. Maybe that's how you approach your one. Who's your one, by the way? Still got them on your radar? Maybe that's how you approach it, by being that little walk-in hallmark reality. You say, Pastor Kevin, my reality in here is that I'm just as, I'm just as volatile in here as it is out here. You know what? That could, that could be two things. Number one, it could be that maybe it is that you don't know the, the Jesus truly that you know about. And maybe it is that you just need to embrace him so that you become his. Maybe it is that you've just not ever trusted Jesus. You know about him, but you never trust him. You say, well, no, Pastor Kevin, I, I know Jesus. I, I, I want him and I want to be his, but I'm just telling you, it's just tumultuous. My, my life, it just, it, it's not a little hallmark reality. You know what? We all live like this right here. 
and we're all human and we all have emotions and our emotions are going like that. I'm not telling you that, that being a walking little hallmark reality is going to mean that you never have trouble and you never have worries and everything. Going. But what we, what we walk in is the reality that it doesn't have to be that way. There's not a turmoil within followers of Jesus that we can't turn to his spirit and his word and find peace even when the circumstances are still rough. I see my big sister nodding her head. My big sister, Miss Shirley, she's my older sister. Life isn't great for her and Jim right now. You know why? Because physically, he's going through a great deal of of pain, of sickness, of aggravation. And you know what? That that bleeds over into her life too because she's trying to care for him. So their reality, and you know, so what's up in here is, well, why wouldn't it be tumultuous? But the promise of God that he's given us is, I'm here. I'm with you. You can lean on me. You can walk with me. Maybe it is that your inside life as a follower of Jesus is upside down and what and what our Lord wants you to know this morning is I'm with you I'm here and, and I'll settle that I'll settle you if you let me it takes the same kind of faith that it took to trust that his death and resurrection is real, number one, and that it's sufficient for you. It's the same kind of faith that says, okay, Lord, you can't or you won't change the circumstance. Maybe you're not going to, but you'll give me peace. God, I want you to make it better and hallmark in my heart this morning. I want you to make it better than I could imagine. And I think for him to be faithful to his promise, if you'll let him, he'll calm it down. Because of him. Because what he's going to do now, maybe, maybe not. but I saw the heavens open and the white horse and him that sat on it was king of kings and lord of lords and because he was raised even if he don't fix it here so too will I be raised and if he chooses to leave me here I'm just going to walk with him day by day by faith we long for it but we long with hope didn't even get to joy this morning but that's okay do you know Jesus you can trust him today if you don't are you walking with him today well he'll 
He'll bring about the calm if you'll let him. In the midst of the storm, he'll calm you. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, you know the need of everybody who's here today. You know the storm that they walked in with. You know that the storm's going to be right outside the door when they walk out. God, I just pray that you would meet every one of us right where we are. As we look forward to the security that comes and the return of your son, he's going to make it better than than Hallmark could ever imagine for those that know him. God, I pray that you'll give us a renewed commitment to share the gospel with those that we come into contact with so that they too might long with hope, looking forward to that opportunity. Well, I pray for that one that's today not a follower of Jesus. May they recognize it and not worry about anything, about what anybody will say or think. I've been saying I'm a Christian for all these years, but I'm not really sure that I am. God, give them the confidence that this body wants to rejoice with them as they come assured. And then, God, I pray for all of us who are walking day by day. Renew our faith. Strengthen our resolve. Give us the courage that we need to lean on you, not to look for answers in any place but yourself. Father, we look forward to the day when your son returns. We want to be prepared. We want to be ready. God, we ask that you'll move in us today. Meet us where we are. Don't let us stay there. We thank you for the day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, our king. In his name we pray. Everybody say it.